Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 284. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing pretty good. All right. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Steven Soderbergh's Unsane, along with someone we've been watching on the watch list and previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Before we dive into our review, however, I want to get into some housekeeping stuff. Our third Film Pulse Selects uh, entry is up now on the site. Uh, this week we are highlighting Shut Up Anthony, which is a film by Kyle Eaton. It's a feature length comedy. Definitely recommend checking it out if you're a fan of awkward comedy, as I am. Very dry, very awkward. Kevin, I think you would uh, you would like it. I think I'm gonna have to give it a look. Yeah, I have you to. You have, I have to. to. You have to. It's. <laughs> I think you are all obliged to take a look. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. Correct. In fact, in fact, I think that it's sad that you haven't taken a look yet. Not yet. I'm getting there. I'm working through them. We do. We do. We do have uh, a lot of uh, films that are going to be coming out on Film Pulse Selects and a lot to go through. So. Keep an eye out. You can go to our main site at filmpulse.net to to watch it. You can go to filmpulseselects.com and give it a watch there. You can check out our Vimeo uh, page as well, our channel on Vimeo. This film will be available all this month. So the, the entire month of April, it will be available. So make sure you give it a look before the end of the month because it this is a, a limited run film. Gotcha. Uh, second, yeah. second thing, if you haven't signed up for our monthly newsletter yet, please do so because we are about to be launching our second, uh, issue of that. Uh, if you're, if you're not familiar, uh, our newsletter just kind of goes over everything that sort of, uh, it sort of summarizes the month. It highlights new releases that are going to be out on VOD. It takes a look at, uh, our podcast for the previous month. If you missed any episodes, it has, uh, we do a monthly giveaway. So we do a, a Blu-ray giveaway. Um, this month I'll give you a little sneak peek. It's going to be the burbs. Oh, nice. Uh, and the, we got some other fun stuff in there. Also, we highlight the, we sort of preview what's coming up for film pulse select. So if you want to see what's on the horizon there, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. And for as far as the giveaways go, um, only newsletter subscribers and patrons get access to that. They can only be eligible for the giveaway if you're signed up for one or both of those. So right, make sure you do right. that. The last thing uh, that I'll mention uh, this week, no Ryan watches a movie. Ryan was way too busy this week to... to he's, Active Ryan was too busy to do an episode this week. So unfortunately there will be no Ryan watches a movie. I want to be better. That's one thing that I feel like I've really not been good at is, is communicating when we need to uh, not have an episode. And I really want to start being better at that for you guys. So that's, that's something that I'm, (laughs) Well, and apparently now he's got like a like a kill list of some sort that he's doing. <laughs> he was apparently uh, kills on wheels has inspired Ryan yeah. to be far more active than what he used to be. Yes, and he's just he's dabbling in so many things now. Yeah, good for him. It really, it is truly. All right, let's dive into our review this week. We're talking about Unsane. This is directed by Steven Soderbergh. I have a synopsis here. A young woman is involuntarily committed to a mental institution where she's confronted by her greatest fear. But is it real or a product of her delusion? Mm. Stars Claire Claire Foy. Um, Jay Farrow's in there. I didn't know he was in this. That was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that was really surprising when I was going through the, the credits at the beginning. Yeah. So he's like third build. Yeah. Juno Temple. Not a lot of huge names in this. And he does he does play a pretty big role. Yeah. He's like he's like one of the biggest. Role. So yeah. Uh all right. I guess I'll start it off with uh Unsane. 
I didn't like Unsane. I wasn't a. Oh, I wasn't. Okay. I was not a fan of Unsane. <laughs> Moving on. Getting right. What's up next? Yeah, getting right to the point. Uh, I so this is shot on a. I guess it's an iPhone. Is it an iPhone? I know it's a phone. Yeah. But I. It's a. I'm pretty sure it's an iPhone. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was specifically an iPhone or some kind of other phone. Uh, it it does not. You know, I. You see a movie like Tangerine, which is shot on an iPhone, and to me that movie looks gorgeous like that movie just looks so incredible this movie i think looks horrible for the most part i like for i yeah. like now th there is a, a little bit of a caveat with that i do like a lot of the framing choices that he made i like that he was like okay we're using an iphone this is super small camera super portable we can we can just have fun with it we can put it in places that you know most rigs cannot go like on on desks and things like that so a lot of the the camera angles and the framing i thought were good especially because it aided in sort of the um paranoia of the film it, it sort of had everything was at off angles and pulled in very close and almost had like an American horror story vibe, how they always like to do like those sort of corner angle shots and things like that. And, um, I like that, but the overall look I thought was not great. Like I just was not into it, especially during some of like the action quote unquote action scenes and th stuff like that. I thought it just didn't look very good. Well, and, and I think the, one of the main detriments to it is like it starts off looking so terrible. Like you just get off on the wrong foot with this movie. Right. Because in the beginning, it looks awful. And it almost feels like that. There's a part of me that thinks that that was uh, done on purpose because it seemed like both of the, the bookends of this movie have kind of like the same look, the same style. Yeah. And it's, it's really bad. It's so awful. But like the stuff in between, in the middle, when she's in the uh, in the institution, all that stuff I thought looked pretty great. It was just the stuff outside of that. Like I said, the two bookends, especially the end, just looked really awful. Well, also they they included that absolutely horrible music with the beginning and end. what the f and, that's and, what, and it felt like what i mean that was like that seemed like it was like royalty free music that they that he just grabbed off of a website that's what i mean like it had to be intentional because to me those bookends felt so unbelievably uh student film-esque like high school student film like it was that awful yeah and and that's not like Soderbergh doesn't do that. I, I mean, don't. I don't know. To me, Soderbergh it's is like very. Pretty, it's odd. To me, Soderbergh is like consistently, uh, like above average good. Which is to say, I don't think I've ever hated a Soderbergh movie. I mean, there's been some stuff that's like slightly hit and miss, but I've never like truly hated something of his. Nor have I, and I don't hate this movie. Just to be clear, I just wasn't a very big fan of it and we'll get into more reasons but what were your initial thoughts my initial thoughts like like i said it kind of got off on the wrong foot where i was like oh boy because one i didn't know anything about this two all the only thing that i did know was the iphone thing that it was shot on an iphone which like you said tangerine looks great another movie from last year uh sleep has her house that's a movie that was shot entirely on an iphone and I have no idea how, because it doesn't look like it at all. And this movie looks very much like it was shot on an iPhone. So, like, right off the bat, you're just, like, everything in her, in her office setting. Like, just the staging of it, the interactions, everything is just extremely awkward in a, in a bad way. Where it's just like, like I said, it's like a student film. But I think once it gets to the institution, once things start 
once the ball starts getting rolling. I thought it was I I enjoyed it. To me, it was just like a pretty well done, almost almost like a B thriller type deal. Yeah, it's definitely a paranoid thriller. Which I to go back to the synopsis. One, she's not involuntarily right committed. <laughs> like that's pretty. Like that's not even like debatable that's just well straight the other out. thing isn't debatable either like they let yeah th- I like this <laughs> that, which I-, I this this may be a spoiler but i think it is i think it's important to know going into it that they let you know almost immediately and like as soon as she sees the guy in the institution there's something that it, it seems very clear like this is not a delusion no and i mean i mean they they hold off on it just a little bit but I don't think he ever fully commits to this being like some sort of plot twist. Yeah. I'm- the way in which it's handled. I mean, because I think we discussed this the last time we had the podcast and we were talking about this movie. We're, we're both kind of concerned that it's going to be one of those, um, is she or isn't she? You know, and kind of going into it, that was my main concern. I was like, I'm like you said, I'm kind of tired of these movies where, you know, is she insane? Is she not insane? Like, is it all in her head? Which, I mean, pretty early on, it is, you know that it's not that. Right. We know that she has this sort of, um, she has this trauma. Like, that's present. She she has, I don't know if you, it would be PTSD or just uh, just some sort of other What's issue of that? because of because of what happened in her past. So that's present, but it's never a question of whether or not he's there right at the beginning. When he first shows up, you're like, Oh man, is that, but, but they quickly do something in the film. I'm not going to say what, but they do something that shows us. It's definitely, he's definitely there. And the rest of the movie is her trying to convince the other people in the institution that he's the guy who, she says he is where Mm -hmm. whereas they think that he's this other guy so it's not it's not about whether or not he's there it's about her convincing everyone else that this is the same guy that's that was stalking her and i thought uh just for me i found it frustrating i find these in generally i find these movies frustrating and i was frustrated with this movie too mainly because of the actions of of uh claire foy's character of sawyer it like she she's this you know no nonsense no bullshit type of person she's very frank with everyone she doesn't put up with any anybody's shit and the problem is like she's she's also a, a very smart person but she makes some of the dumbest decisions in this movie like she's like picking fights with people and being really aggressive with people and it's like why would you do that when you're in this situation that you know you have to be on your best behavior to get out of here so why do you keep losing your shit and lashing out and causing problems I did that that was one aspect of this movie that did bother me a little bit it's kind of her which, I mean, she does, like, she continually panics towards the beginning. And you're right, like, why why are you doing this? But it's also, I don't know if that was kind of a touching upon her, like, entitlement that she has. Where she's just like, you know, this is a mistake. Obviously, everyone in the world, you know, in that can be con- contacted through this needs to drop what they're doing and help me because I'm important. These other people are not because I, that was the one thing that I did kind of like about this is where she's not, she's not really likable. No, no, she does. And they established that very early on too. Yeah. And there, there comes a certain point in this where she just full on becomes, um, she essentially just really selfish in that she's just going to use people 
in order to get out of this situation. Like if there's collateral damage, there's collateral damage. It's all about her. She needs to get out. And that's what she does. Yeah. But I was kind of surprised where it went with uh, it just it kept escalating, which I I don't think I was 100 percent prepared for. I didn't think it was going to escalate as much as it did. No, I didn't either. And I, I, I do appreciate that, but I still didn't find that. I still didn't find it to be enough to really grab me in any way. Um, yeah. I mean, I, uh, another thing that I did kind of appreciate is like I said, uh, early on with, with her situation, how it, it the way that it's handled, it's not really handled as this, like, you know, that there's going to be this big reveal or this plot twist or, you know, and once that that's kind of taken off the table, it's just a pretty straightforward thriller. Yeah. Which I kind of appreciated. Whereas like, okay, this isn't going to be some twisty bullshit. Yeah. There's a couple. Just, this is what it is. And this is, this is what we're doing. There's sort of one twist they throw in towards the end, which I actually liked. Um, I'm not going to say what it was, but it involved another character and, uh, I liked that twist, but I also liked what they did with, I didn't expect it to be about how like these institutions work and how they're, they're just constantly gaming the system to bleed insurance companies. Uh, I thought that that was sort of an interesting yeah uh, element yeah, that to was it as well which is the you know uh one one thing to learn is when they ask you those questions always lie and just say no <laughs> yeah and uh, just the lie and, and no. for god's sake read anything that you sign <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what i love when you go to the doctor and it's like have you ever thought had suicidal thoughts nope never not once <laughs> in my entire life i'm not telling you that shit are you kidding me don't ever do it. Keep that shit to yourself. The The scariest thing is I, I, I'm sure that this is something that's probably happened to people before. Oh, definitely. It's so easy. It's so easy for them to, to do this. Yeah, if they feel like Like you said, you can just... You, what, because they always have the upper hand. And, you know, who's a more credible person? Is it a bunch of medical professionals? Or is it this person that just voluntarily committed themselves. Yep. And if they, and then you, you, you always have that in the back, the back pocket is, you know, cause obviously most of the time, those people are going to panic, get frustrated and get kind of aggressive. And then you can just use that and be like, well, that's another four days. Mm hmm. Definitely, definitely uh, an aspect of it I didn't expect, and uh, I, I did appreciate that, but I still was not very entertained by it overall. <laughs> I just didn't. <laughs> I just was not into into the movie overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't wow me or anything, but I enjoyed myself. I gotta say, I, I was pretty well entertained. I especially thought that there's a kind of this culminating um, confrontation with Claire Foy and Joshua Leonard that I thought was just absolutely fantastic. Like her acting and the way that everything, the way it was filmed and everything, I thought that, that that particular scene was pretty great. I I do appreciate the the relationship that those two had where even though she was scared of him, he was stalking her. She still did not give him any leeway when it came to like confrontation. Like she was very vocal about her feelings towards him right to his face all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I like, he still didn't get it. Yeah. Still didn't get it. Well, that's what, that's how stalkers work. Mm hmm. Any final thoughts? Unsane? I I really enjoyed the freeze frame. The one, the one at the end. Yeah, 
No, the one that was like 25 minutes in. Yeah, the one at the end. <laughs> I couldn't remember if there was any other ones or not. <laughs> I I thought the freeze frame was fine, but I thought that the music that accompanied it was absolutely atrocious, and I feel like that ruined the freeze frame. <laughs> I think it's just, it reminded me a lot of like, um, just like a really, really great version of all the movies that I had to watch on Lifetime growing up with my mom. <laughs> Uh, it's just it was like Soderbergh doing that yeah which to me worked I guess I mean I guess it's sort of like that but yeah it just didn't didn't really gel with me I just like the the one thing that I thought was a bit too much like he got a little bit out of hand with the with the iPhones is like in the beginning at work where you know, two people talking, and he would cycle through like seven different camera angles. Yeah, it's just like okay, there you. This is like a one-minute conversation. Yeah, you got a little crazy with the cuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't need an overhead, and then over the shoulder, and then from the desk, and then from behind. It's like let's just let's keep it. I did enjoy the, like the 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 stuff that towards the beginning there was um, kind of tipped the hand a little bit of. With the like the voyeur shots, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but eh, it was a, it was a <laughs> bit of it was a bit meh for me. Uh, all right, let's give this thing a score. Unsane, I'm gonna give it a five and a half. I give it a six. Another thing I really didn't like was Juno Temple's character. Yeah, she was she was pretty. This is ridiculous. A little abrasive that character. I just was not. Yeah, she was a little over the top. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's Just the type of much. character that I think suits her, but it. Mm, yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, I heard you had a little bit of a, a theater kerfuffle. <laughs> yeah. Um, the theater going experience. Uh, is awful. I'm finding time and time again. Just going to the theater is terrible. I usually try and go like the earliest possible. That way there's like two other people there. This time was, you know, midday. So unfortunately there was like eight or nine people in there. But still, there was an old lady right in front of me <clears throat> that um and I don't understand this with elderly people. Anything that happened, any bit of plot point that came up, her reaction would be, mm. that to everything. <laughs> Every single thing. So she probably did it 55 times throughout the entire movie. And then there's a certain point that something happens to Claire Foy, like pretty quickly, and then it cuts to the next thing. And she just goes, was that him? Like, who else would it be? Um, and then her friend, when Matt Damon showed up, leaned over and just loudly said, that's Matt Damon. <laughs> she goes, oh. And then one row in front of her is, and now this is the first time I've ever had problems with quote unquote millennials. A couple sit with a, it's the, so these are big recliners, a recliner in between the two of them. And she just, they full on had conversations throughout the entire oh, film. Oh, God. Just chit chat. Just talking. Just talking. Not about the movie, just catching up, I guess. Loudly. Like, I could hear them and not the movie. Like, what the fuck is the point? Uh, my theater only had about five people, five other people in it. And did this just come out up there? Over there, I, I mean? I think so. I think it's been so. out for like three weeks here. <laughs> of course. <it laughs> and so, th- so there was like nobody when I, when I bought the tickets, uh, there was, I was the first one, like, cause it's reserved seating. So you can see like the little chart. Yeah. And I was like, I was the only one. And I was like, all right, here we go. I went to see it by myself, by the way, which was, uh, I, I recommend seeing movies by yourself. A lot of people don't don't like it, and I think that if you 
once you get over the idea that it's that it's weird because it's it's not really the, it's not weird once you do it do it a couple times uh you become used to it and you kind of like it and i would i would recommend that everyone go see movies by themselves every once in a while not all the time i was at the point of walking out i was just like i'm not gonna do this i guess it's just like through the first like 10 minutes of movie she's just talking and talking and talking Oh, I, I probably would have went out and got an usher. Said like, "Look, these assholes—they're ruining the movie." They don't do anything now. They're just like, "Oh, okay." Because oh. it was the same thing. I got there early. We were the only ones. I'm like, "Yeah, this is gonna be great." No one's coming to see a Soderbergh movie. No one ever comes to see Soderbergh movies. And then it kept kept filling up. So like that, yeah. Like for for us, like in this area, Soderbergh movie. To have nine people in there, like that's jam packed. That is a full success. <laughs> that's a full house, man. That almost ensures that we'll get the next Soderbergh movie. Nice. I, I it's interesting you did get this one since it's one of his small ones. I was kind of surprised. Hmm. All right, that's insane. Playing in theaters right now. Odds are, if you if you go, the theater's not going to be very full, and possibly. <laughs> Contain talking millennials. It's, it does. That's a, that's a problem. It doesn't matter how many people are in there. You're still the the odds of having assholes is still high, no matter how many people. Yeah. Stream everything. <laughs> Fucking Stream ridiculous. Everything. I still like the theater experience, uh, but I do too because at least I don't have the the buffering problem that makes me want to smash my computer. I, yeah, well, I, I don't really have that issue, but I also am very fortunate enough to get to go see like press screenings and things where people are usually very respectful. Let's uh, move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list, shall we? I can't remember who started la- last time since we took last week off. I think I think you started last time, maybe. I think so. Uh, so. Let's see. I saw uh, I saw a bunch of stuff. Um, where do I want to start? I'll start with Revenge. Uh, this is screening at What the Fest um, that is happening in New York this week. I talked about it last time on the show, and I, I really couldn't talk about any of the movies as of yet, but uh, many of them have screened, so I can talk about them now. This movie actually comes out in, in May, so it's like May... Eighth, I want to say somewhere around there. This will be out. Uh, Shutter is putting it out. So this, okay. I can tell you right now, this is the best movie that Shutter has ever put out. Uh, I don't know if nice. it's going to be on Shutter or it's going into theaters know. first and then and then going to Shutter. What the what the release situation is with that just yet? Um, but this is directed by uh, Coralie Far Farge. Uh, probably mispronouncing that. It's a, she's a uh, French director. This is her debut, and Revenge is sort of a it's sort of a throwback to the the rape revenge su- subgenre of uh, horror films. Not a big fan okay. of that subgenre, to be honest with you. Uh, there were you know this is like I spit on your grave, Last House on the Left, those those types of movies. I just don't like watching sexual assault on screen like it is just something i would like to avoid at all costs but this movie does it it's like the ultimate rape revenge movie It, it in my opinion it puts all of those others to shame like this is the one to watch it is so masterfully done uh i i absolutely loved this movie it's it's a it's a sort of French English hybrid where uh, a lot of the movie is in French, but a lot of it is also in English. The uh, the 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 lead Matilda Lutz plays uh, an American girl who goes to this cabin. She's having an affair with this sort of rich French business guy, and they she goes with him to his cabin in Morocco, I believe, for uh, a weekend, and he is 
getting ready to go on a hunting trip with his with his two buddies and awful things happen to her she's left for dead she comes back and she's like fuck these guys i'm gonna kill every single one of them and it is in my opinion it it is uh a, a must see it's hard to watch at times but it is so excellent. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's called Revenge. I have a review up on the site right now for it. Um, but yes, definitely watch it when you can. Okay. Even even you, I think, would see it and be like, okay, uh, this is this is something that uh, is is kind of special. All right, I'm gonna have to give this a look. Uh, I think we can go that probably the furthest opposite that we can get and that's uh william wyler's dodsworth from 1936 uh this is a it's based on a sinclair sinclair lewis novel so it's about a this american automobile tycoon who he retires and he wants to go to Europe with his wife. His wife always wanted to go to Europe and they're going to travel Europe. And he's just, he's got this new lease on life that he wants to learn things and he just wants to enjoy himself and wants to make his wife happy. And it's just, he's, he's so much excitement for him. He sold off his giant automobile factory and he's just going to live it up. And, uh, things quickly go south in Europe and, uh, it's quite interesting in that <clears throat> it's about uh, about like 100 minutes runtime, but it is able to cover so much ground <clears throat> within, within this marriage <clears throat> where everything seems to be going well, everything's going great, everyone's happy, there's just like this new pep in a step and everything, and then the marriage is falling apart. And then it's back together and then it's falling apart. And it's just, it seems like so much time has passed when you, you know, throughout this entire movie and it's such as like long journey. And it's just, it's really, uh, one, it's pretty complicated, which is great. It's pretty nuanced. Uh, the, the direction is pretty spectacular. Do some interesting things. And I gotta say, I like this is two William Wyler movies now, and both have just been, for me, it's just been absolutely amazing. The only weird thing about this movie is the the tycoon guy, the guy at the at the center, Mister Dodsworth, um, played by Walter Houston, is his voice really sounded like Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> And I had a really, I mean, it's not his fault. It's not the movie's fault. But I just had a really tough time getting past that. <laughs> because. It probably give me nightmares. I just kept. Yeah. It just, it gave this, it gave the movie this like weird, sinister undertone to it. Where I just kept expecting something bad to happen. And there's always this like tension between the two. Between him and his wife. His wife is played by Ruth Chatterton. And there's there's always this tension between the two of them because there's like there's outside interests with you know people that they're flirting with and you know it seems like they're losing interest in each other and you know within a matter of moments they could easily be cheating on one another and it's uh it's pretty it's pretty great all right and that's Dodsworth from 1936 i saw ready player 1 Ooh, yeah. So this is the uh, if you're not if you're not familiar with this one, it's the uh, Steven Spielberg <laughs> film. Ah, yeah, I heard a little bit about. Yeah, this so one. the trailers for this one. I mean, I think we even talked about it on the show. Trailers were not doing it for me. I did read the book. Um, the and the trailers were just like, oh, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be a train wreck. I am not looking forward to this. I really enjoyed the book, and I I feel like this is just. This movie version is not going to do it, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed Ready Player One. I I had a blast with this movie. Now, 
it is if you're if you're familiar with the book it's about uh it takes place in the future where everybody sort of lives in this vr world called the oasis and it's a it's like a, a an adventure so the the creator of this oasis before he died he announces that he put an easter egg somewhere in this this vast virtual world and the only way that you can get access is if you get these keys and you have to you have to sort of solve these these puzzles and these riddles and play these games to to be able to discover these keys the keys are also hidden throughout the world and it's about this this kid who figures out how to get the first key and that sort of uh snowballs into this this race to find all the keys and unlock this easter egg if you if you unlock it then the entire company gets signed over to the person that that finds it and they get full control over this this massive uh corporation and and full control over the oasis itself and they they get to decide what happens with it uh so it the thing about it is like the creator of the oasis was he absolutely loved 80s nostalgia like anything pop culture he was just like a pop culture hound so because of that when you go into the oasis everything is like oh pop culture overload and one of the one of the things one of the questions i had going into the movie was like how much of this can they put into the movie because in the book it's like it's so loaded with with references and things like that that you're like i'm not i'm not sure that they're gonna be able to do all this like it's just it's so much and what they do in the movie it's it's different like they added a lot of uh references they took out some but I will say that it is absolutely packed with things. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal what any of those are because I think that that's sort of the the most fun aspect of the movie where you you'll they'll, they'll be in some kind of big set piece and like all of a sudden this this character shows up or this thing shows up and you're just like, what the? And it's just so exciting. And anybody that's into pop culture or likes that nostalgia feel like this is the ultimate nostalgia movie. And I can't, you know, like some, some movies we like movies that take place in the eighties or now, now like, like TV shows like that, everything sucks show on uh, Netflix. They, they sort of revel in the nostalgia and they sort of bank on it. Like that's their, that's their crutch. That's what holds up the show or the movie is that nostalgia. And I don't think that you can fault this movie for doing that because that's sort of the whole point of it. You know what I mean? It's like, this is supposed to be nostalgia overload. It's, it's supposed yeah. to be celebrating these pop culture icons and things like that. And so I don't, I, I don't know if anybody has been, has that complaint with this movie, but um, I, I totally bought into it. I, I was just, I felt like a kid again, watching this movie and, and it definitely, you know, Spielberg, I feel like he has definitely pulled away from the, the early Amblin days, you know, like the, the, the ETs and whatnot. And this definitely harkens back to that. It has that same vibe where you have a group of kids going on an adventure and it, it just, it is a very, it gives you a very warm feeling to come back to that style of movie because I feel like we don't get that many of them anymore. And uh, the, the some, some of the references alone are just so much fun and so clever. And I just, I loved how they incorporated them you know, some things like some characters, they just show up for like one scene. They'll be like in one scene, you're just be like, oh, I just saw, you know, this thing. I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one thing because it's just it doesn't affect the plot or anything. It's just a, a, more of like a throwaway thing that you can see. But the battle toads are in this just to yes. just to give you an idea. They do some deep cuts in this and you see the battle toads yes. <laughs> and 
So when you see that, you're just like, oh my god, they just had like the Battletoads were in this this movie. <laughs> it's just so much fun. But uh, do now I just now I'm wondering. I have one question: Does Toe Jam and Earl show up at all? Not that I know of, but uh, I just I, like it seems like a really good opportunity to just have them sitting in a hot tub. Yeah, somewhere in the background, they might be. Like there's, there's where it just says chitter chitter. <laughs> there's uh there, there are a lot of scenes that have like hundreds of characters, and I'm sure that, I'm sure that people are already like going to see the movie multiple times <laughs> and writing down all of the all of the stuff. But there's like literally hundreds of characters that you yeah, can just see. Just wait, just wait until you get to the point where you're able to screenshot. Oh yeah, that. yeah. There's there's definitely going to be articles that'll be like every single cameo in Freddy Player One, <laughs> ranked yeah, ranked ninety to one. There's there's some really really fun stuff. Um, I mean you know that the Iron Giants in it they had that in the trailers and stuff, and it's great to to see him come back. One of the interesting things is like the book was pretty much just eighties stuff, so you had you know your your Back to the Futures and your Star Wars and Atari games and things like that in in the movie it doesn't really focus on the 80s there certainly is 80s stuff in there but it's it sort of runs the gamut you have a lot of 90s nostalgia in there as well I was gonna say it sounds like there's probably a lot of 90s stuff in there yeah and and even you even have stuff into like the 2000s um that that plays a role especially a lot of like video game references from from the 2000s but there are, there are several horror references that now in the trailer you can see you can see that Freddy is in it but there are several others there's there's like four others that are are awesome and there's uh there's one scene that it's it's sort of like it's like a whole dedicated scene it's a, it's a whole sequence in this movie that's dedicated to something and that was a huge surprise. It wasn't in the book and it was absolutely incredible. It was probably one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. So I highly recommend checking out ready player one huge surprise. You'll have so much fun with it. Uh, another um, new director's new films title, which what that opened. When did that? I think that was this weekend series it started on the, this weekend. Uh, I think that started on the 28th, I think. Okay. Yeah, you're right. 28th. Uh, called uh, Dijon Africa. This is uh, kind of one of those like docu fiction hybrid type deals, but not not how you're kind of used to it. This is more so. Uh, there's a guy at the center, Miguel, who's he's never met his father. He's a really laid back guy, and just one day when the a stranger just stops him on the street and says, you know, you look exactly like someone look exactly like who he thinks is, is his father. So he starts asking some questions and like for the first time, really, he's, he kind of decides that to set out to find his father that he's never knew. And, uh, so the only information that he really finds out is that he lives on Cape Verde, which is like off the coast of Africa, little Island nation that he's kind of been banished there because he went to prison earlier in his life. Never got to meet his dad. So he decides that he's going to go to Cape Verde to try and find his dad in the process finds himself too. You know what I'm saying? How you always kind of find oh, yourself yeah. on a journey. Yes. But uh, the interesting thing about this is it, it, it almost becomes this like travelogue documentary type where he goes to Cape Verde and essentially Cape Verde becomes like it's kind of cliche to say but Cape Verde essentially becomes the main character so it's just him kind of doing day-to-day stuff interacting with people drinking partying having fun just and it kind of focuses a lot on like the culture of Cape Verde and him like trying to find his father's just kind of like in the background of that. So it's almost like a travel show, like where he's the host, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, 
I can say one thing is <clears throat> Cape Verde is, it looks incredible and amazing. Just absolutely beautiful. Like, I mean, this works so well as like, like a, like a tourism video for Cape Verde. I love movies like that. It, I really do. It is, it is, it's something else. And then he kind of like, it kind of goes on this tangent where he decides to, he's not sure if he wants to go back home or if he wants to stay in Cape Verde. He doesn't really know what to do. He's kind of lost. He's just kind of aimless. And he ends up like, uh, spending time at this, uh, elderly woman's, uh, farm where he kind of gets hired on as a helping hand. So it's this, this guy that's kind of just used to drinking and smoking weed and not really doing anything. Now all of a sudden is trying to take care of livestock and do all this farm work. And it's just, it's, uh, it's pretty great the way that it's kind of set up. It's real, you know, it's really small, small stakes, but, uh, quite an enjoyable watch. There was a film I saw a few years ago called Copenhagen. That was, sounds like it was a, sort of a similar thing. It was more of a, a love story, but very much, it's very just, much like a travel, like highlighting that the area. Yeah. And I like that. I like those movies where somebody just gets lost in the city and finds different it's, things. And yeah, well, number one, it's just, it's really enjoyable. And from that sense of like a travelogue type deal, but also the, the guy at the center, Miguel, like he's a, he's the fun guy to just hang out with for, you know, an hour and a half. Sounds good. Uh, so that's, that's screening at new directors, new films. That's a festival. That's like an indie film festival that's happening right now in New York. Uh, I think it goes, it's, it's happening all next week as well, or this week, rather all this week as well. I'm not sure when that ends. I think it's the April 8th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You'll see some reviews, uh, up, up on the site from some of the stuff that we saw there, uh, coming up. So stay tuned for that. I have sort of a double, a double bill to talk about. I saw, so the burbs came out. We talked about it uh, on the last episode that the burbs was coming out on Blu-ray. This was a collector's edition. Now the burbs <clears throat> has been out before on Blu-ray it came out, I think in 2016. However, that Blu-ray, it was just the movie. And I think there was the alternate ending included in it as well. And that was it. So Shout Factory put out a collector's edition of the of the film. They remastered it. So that it's a brand new 2K remaster. So the movie looks absolutely gorgeous. And the reason that I picked it up was because there was a sort of, I guess sort of famous if you're into the burbs and Joe Dante films, there was a work print version that Joe Dante had that he would... Very rarely, but there was at least one occasion I know he screened it for audiences. And the work print version of the film was uh, a lot different than than the original, than the theatrical one. And on this Blu-ray, they have the full work print version. So, okay. so I watched the, you know, I've, I've seen the Burbs, the, the regular theatrical version a million times. I, tr I usually watch it like at least every other year. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and I just, I love it. I adore that movie. I have ever since I was a kid. And I'm glad to see that now that movie is sort of getting the recognition that it deserves. I, th I feel like over the last, you know, maybe five years, it's sort of developed a cult following. And mm -hmm. I was super happy to, to realize that. But the work print version is really interesting. So it's not when you watch it, it the quality's not great. It's just like a, I think it's just like a straight transfer. They don't they don't clean it up or anything. The edits are a little wonky. So like sometimes uh, between scenes, it'll just like stay black for like a second. So it's not completely polished. But um, there's a there's a lot of extended and deleted sequences like the. Uh, Kevin, I'm sure you remember the 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 nightmare scene when when um he's having the nightmare and he's like on the giant grill and all of that stuff towards I think that's towards the beginning of the film. Uh that mm -hmm. that sequence is extended by like, I don't know, probably like three minutes or so. 
and they added all of this extra stuff to it that that ended up getting cut. And one of the big things about the film was that if you're familiar, uh, Tom Hanks' character is he's on vacation from work. He's he's taken a week off because he's been stressed out at work, and he just needs to relax. He's he's just way overstressed, so he wants to relax and. The problem is he gets a little stir crazy and starts to spy on the neighbors who he thinks may be murdering people. And in the work print version, the original version of the movie, he actually got fired from his job and he was hiding it from his wife who's played by oh. Carrie Fisher. And a lot of the sort of stress and a lot of the paranoia and all of that stuff is is it stems from him losing his job and hiding it from his family and okay so this was like this whole other aspect of the movie that they completely cut out because they determined it was a little too dark that they wanted to keep keep the movie a little lighter so they they took all of that <laughs> stuff out and then of course the ending was different there were multiple endings to this movie like when they started shooting it they didn't even know how to end it they were like, they just weren't sure which way they were going to go with it. So in the work print version, it is, it is an alternate ending. It things, things happen very differently. And, um, so that's interesting too. And then also on the DVD or the Blu-rays, like, um, there's like an all new making of featurette interviews. It's, it's packed. If you're a fan of the burbs, this is like the, the ultimate one. This is the definitive version at least for now. So I would, I would definitely recommend picking that one up. I mean, it could be, you know, it's, it's good. It could be have, it could have more features. Could be better. Like for instance, okay. for instance, there is a commentary track, but Joe Dante is not on the commentary track. It's the, uh, the writer. So, you know, <laughs> get, get, get Joe Dante in there to do a commentary. He is, there is, um, an extended interview with him on the Blu-ray. So you do get his, his, uh, he is in there, but, um, okay. so after I watched the burbs, I was like, Oh man, I just love Joe Dante movies. I I'm such a huge fan of his. I, I think his filmography is so great, especially his, his earlier stuff. And so I looked and I was like, which, which Joe Dante movies have I not seen? And one that came up was explorers from uh, 1985. This is very much not an Amblin film, but this came out, you know, right at the right when Amblin was pretty big. And, you know, Joe, Joe Dante was part of that. Gremlins was an Amblin film. And Explorers definitely has that type of vibe. It stars Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix when they were super young. And it's about these these kids. So Ethan Hawke has this this weird dream that is like. Uh, and it uses that that eighties style CG, so it's everything's like sort of vector, like wireframe, like yes. vector graphics. Yes. And he has this yes. like weird dream that has these like schematics. And he, as soon as he wakes up, he writes like he draws it out. And it turns out that River Phoenix, who's like his best friend, is this like computer genius, and he actually creates this thing that he had in his dream. And what this thing is, is it's sort of a spaceship. It's like this bubble that, that can, that floats and you can sort of control it. And they, th so the two of them and one of their other buddies create this pod that, that the bubble can go around and they end up like flying everywhere and then they end up going into space and then they go into this spaceship and they meet these aliens and it's, it's not great, but it's, it's pretty fun. Um, D definitely uh, a pretty solid 80s family film but i i would uh i might recommend it light, light recommend for explorers from 1985 that's all i have all right um i think that's pretty much all i have i'll quickly mention high whack it this is the the Ooh. new one from Adam McDonald, who we we really liked. He did Backcountry, and uh, we really liked that one. I think we reviewed it on the show back in the day, a couple of years ago. And so he's back, back in the woods. 
with with his woods. Yeah. So this is uh, it's about a girl who, yeah, she's she's a teen. She's full of angst. She's pissed off at her mom, their 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 father. Uh, her her dad died. They they end up moving to this remote um, house in in the forest because her mom is is really having a hard time dealing with uh, the loss of of her husband. And the house just reminds reminds her of him every, everywhere. And so they, so they go they go and they move into this this house in the in the woods to get away from it all. But turns out it's in a different school district. So she's like super pissed that she's going to be leaving all of her friends. And since her father died, she got into like witchcraft and occult stuff. So one yes. night after they have a really bad fight, she ends up going out to the forest and doing this this like incantation or this this spell that supposedly will kill her mom and it's uh it goes to some it goes to some pretty creepy places after that gets gets really creepy okay yeah but it's uh i i I didn't find it quite as effective as backcountry however uh i did I did enjoy it. It's a pretty, pretty creepy supernatural thriller. So I'd give it a look. It's called Pie Wacket. It's on VOD. All right, let's uh, move on and talk about some new releases. In theaters this week, we have, we got a bunch actually. There's, there's a lot of stuff coming out this week. Uh, A lot of, a lot of notable things. One is A Quiet Place directed by Kevin Rakestraw. That's right. John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this movie looks dumb as shit. I'm actually into this movie. I think it looks pretty cool. So, I just don't understand. I Like, I saw another trailer, which is a, another thing about uh, Regal Cinemas, is the one that I go to before a movie, they always play, like, ten trailers. Yeah, for some reason, mine okay. had a lot. Of, like, seemed like more than usual this week with the trailer. It's just, it's just trailer after trailer, and it's anytime. It's only there. No other place. If I go any other movie theater, I go to, they don't do this. It's just this one. They always do ten. It's insane. But there was a new one for a quiet place, which I didn't understand. Like, why would you give your kid a spaceship that makes a shit ton of noise to have him just like carry around while you're walking through the woods dumbass i'm not sure bad you're bad parents you're dumb parents you're stupid i'm sorry i heard good things about it though so i'll be checking that out uh also we have blockers coming out this is a comedy about uh some group of uh parents who discover that their that their kids are going to be trying to lose their virginity or something on prom night and they decide to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not really into it. Yeah. I'll probably like that. That's probably like a VOD watch whenever it comes out. You know, you're going to watch that while you clean. Yeah. It seems like the perfect cleaning movie. <laughs> we got uh Chappaquiddick. This is the tells the true story about uh, Ted Kennedy and the car accident that he was involved in that involved the death of a, a woman that he was having an affair with. Uh, Mint reviewed this for us. Uh, this premiered at TIFF. Mild interest in this one. Again, not something I would probably need to see in the theater. One that I uh, do want to see in the theater is You Were Never Really Here. This is the Joaquin Phoenix one. Oh, thank God. I've been hearing about this movie for like six fucking years. Yeah, this years. movie... This movie played that has been playing the rounds for a long time. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's finally coming out. Probably not coming out in your area. <laughs> for you. Yeah. For you. It's probably not coming out for you, but I don't know. Maybe it is. Joaquin Phoenix is a pretty you never know. He's a pretty big actor. You never know. It's tough to it's tough to predict what what you're gonna get around here. Yeah. The Endless comes out. This is the new Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead movie. Oh, hell yeah. I imagine we'll be reviewing this on the show next week. I hope so. Yes. I, I think that 
we can safely safely say that this is something that we're going to be reviewing next week. I saw it at Tribeca last year, so it's been been a year for this one. So, um, well, we'll talk about that. Lean on Pete comes out. I'm not actually sure what that's about. Low Life comes out. This is one I mentioned uh, last episode, sort of Tarantino esque crime thriller, madcap, crazy, violent, violence filled action movie. No oh boy. Yeah, plays with lots of genres. It's it's a dirty movie. It's uh, it's a movie that doesn't necessarily make you feel good, but there's some crazy shit that happens in it, so maybe it's worth a look. Sweet Country comes out. Yeah. This is a this is a movie that premiered at Sundance this year, I believe. Uh, Mint reviewed it for us. Uh, it's Australian, I believe. Um, it's like an Australian right. western. Not sure about it. The Miracle Season comes out. This is the volleyball movie with uh, Helen Hunt. Ooh, this one looks a little okay. rough. Volleyball, volleyball movie. Where's Kyra comes out, or is it Kira? Is it Kyra? Uh, I don't know. I think it's Kyra. I, I'll find. I would s- I'm gonna say Kyra. No, this is this is one that you're pretty excited about. This has been on how many lists? Like three years straight. <laughs> Most anticipated. <laughs> well, it's finally coming out. Finally, finally making it happen. You also have Rogers Park, Spinning Man, Spinning Man. What a horrible title! Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love it. Big spinning, man. big fish in begonia, and surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, another Nicolas Cage movie called The Humanity Bureau comes out. I saw I saw mm. a trailer for that. Oh, that one. Cage movies are so funny. You, you like one of them's good, and then there's like five horrible ones. He's the best national treasure. Yeah, he really is. Let's see what we got on VOD this week. We got on the third, Outside In, 420 Massacre, Killing Joan, and Mask, which is a documentary about the guy who created the uh, Tap Out brand. (laughs) Oh, give me a break. Uh, Tap Out. Oh, my God. Fucking documentary for everything. you, you You know that somebody... I like tap out because I know that if I see somebody wearing tap out clothes that I know not to talk to them. <laughs> it is good that, that some of those brands exist to just give you a heads up like, hey, we have nothing in common. Yeah. Like avoid me. I feel the same way with uh, what's that? That's kind of like a racing fox. Yeah, fox. If you see anyone with Fox stuff, it's just like, yeah, we have nothing in common. Or Affliction. Affliction is another one. I don't know what that Affliction, is. Affliction, <laughs> it's, those, it's those shirts. Just Google it. Yeah, it's those shirts shirt. that like sort of look, they have that like super uh, elaborate artwork on them that sort of looks. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it. I gotcha. But. Uh, they're all horrible all those shirts are horrible all those clothes are horrible oh man this is in my memory now god damn it affliction I'm gonna end up getting targeted ads <laughs> fucking affliction I love every site you go to now you're gonna just see banner ads for affliction shirts oh god we have on the 6th spinning man comes out Yes, VOD yes. spinning man. <laughs> I love it. It's such a great title. Spinning man. Pierce Brosnan. Mini driver Guy Pierce. Hmm. Uh, the Humanity Bureau also comes out and Low Life comes out on VOD Friday. We got on Blu-ray this week. Got Insidious The Last Key. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Is that the fourth one? Yeah, the fourth one. Too many Insidious movies, guys. It truly is. Got Father Figures. That was the one with uh, Owen Wilson. and. Oh, God. The, that movie looks so yeah. terrible. Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Was that yeah, Ed Helms? Ed Helms, Ed Helms yeah. yeah. 
Got <clears throat> Sweet Virginia. That's a crime thriller. Yeah. Ballers, third season. Don't know why I mentioned that because it's a TV show. <laughs> I just saw Ballers on the it's cover there. and I thought maybe it was a movie, but then I noticed that it was The Rock. Uh, like Me comes out. It's a pretty solid thriller. We have a review for that one up. I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, let's see what else we got. Tokyo Ghoul, the movie. It's based on a, an anime that I actually watched a few episodes of. It's pretty decent, the anime. Yeah. I don't know about the live action movie. Usually those anime live action adaptations are pretty shit. But Beast of Burden, that's the one with Daniel Radcliffe. And that's pretty much it. Not a lot going on with Blu-ray coming up this week. Uh, what about Criterions? We got any of those? We have zero. What's going on? Why is this? Why is it such a light? Why is it such a light week? It's April, April Fool's. I yeah, guess. Easter. <laughs> I forgot that it's Easter. I guess Easter is the more important. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, probably. I always, I'm always surprised how many people celebrate Easter. I always forget about it. And then everyone's just like, what are you doing for Easter? And I'm like, people do things for Easter? I didn't know it was Easter. I literally didn't know it was Easter until 9.30 this morning when I noticed <laughs> some people. I, it's funny. I noticed some people on Twitter saying, like, Happy Easter. And I thought that that was, like, an April Fool's joke. <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh, you guys are fooling. Like, it's, it's not Easter. And then I look at my calendar. I was like, it's Easter. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.